This is FinPoint, Fidelity's latest podcast that explores new ways of thinking on today's shifting wealth management industry. Okay, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Mark Squires, and if you stayed with us from the beginning, well, you know that means that we have now reached the top of our new advice value stack, Fulfillment which is essentially the achievement of life's purpose and leaving a legacy. It's a tangible opportunity for those within the advice industry to help create a better outcome for their clients. Today, we'll hear from Ellen Goodman, a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist and co-founder of The Conversation Project. We'll also talk to Abby Henderson, president, founder, and coach at Aberis Financial Group, to get their insights on the best ways to capitalize on this important and final stage of creating value for your clients. For now... Let's get started with Ellen. So, Ellen Goodman, welcome to FinPoint. It is a great privilege to have you on the show, and we so much appreciate you being here. Why don't we dive in? Could you start off and tell us about the conversation project and what prompted you to do this? Sure. It's lovely to be here. The Conversation Project is a public engagement campaign to ensure that people's wishes for end-of-life care are expressed and respected both things. And we set out to change the cultural norm from not talking about these things, not talking about how you want to live at the end of life, to talking about it. And we want people to get to the kitchen table to have a conversation with the people they love before there is a crisis. And Ellen, when I was reading about the conversation project, you had a personal experience that maybe gave you some motivation or or a personal perspective. Can you share that? I did. Uh, Toward the end of my mother's life, she had dementia. And my mother and I had been able to talk about everything, (laughs) except one thing, which is how she wanted to live at the end of life. And occasionally, the closest she would come is if she saw somebody in terrible condition, she'd say, you know, if I'm ever like that, pull the plug. But, you know, (laughs) there's, there's no plug to pull. There rarely is. And um, so at the end of her life, when she was failing, I wished I could hear her voice in my ear telling me what she wanted, the care she wanted, the care she didn't want. And I wished I had had that conversation with her. So when she died afterwards, I started talking with other people. Um, That's what journalists do. (laughs) And everybody had a story, it seemed to me, of a good death or a hard death. And I, I realized That's right. Everybody has a story. And so we pulled together a group of people who were medical people, clergy, media people. We sat around a large table. We took off our professional hats and told each other our stories. And then we said, you know what? We we can do something better. We can make this better for people. We can ensure that people die in the way that they would choose. So when is a good time to have what can be a pretty tough conversation? Is there a right time? What ideas do you have on how to start the conversation? Well, a good time is right now. (laughs) No time better Uh, than the present. Don't wait. (laughs) You know, people have this sense that they should wait for a crisis, and it's quite the opposite because a crisis is a terrible time to learn. So we always say that you should have that conversation as soon as possible. You can have it when your kids turn 18 and they need to have a health care proxy. You can have it when you have children of your own for the first time. You can have it when you turn 50 or 65. 
So that's the large thing. Have it early and then have it often because we often say that we should have called this the conversations project because it isn't one and done. You may want to revisit this over time. As to how do you choose the right moment, that's tricky for different people and families often are very, very different. You do have your family home for the holiday. There's no better time than when everybody is around This isn't a conversation to have on Skype. Uh, It's much better to have it personally, it seems to me. And as you said, it's multiple conversations, right? Because, you know, our loved one's wishes could change. Do I want to be cremated? Do I want to be buried? In a very simplified example, you know, would I want sustained treatment? I mean, these these are complicated things for us all to ponder and our feelings can change. That's right. And one of the most important things that you can do is identify the person who really listens to you and who can make decisions for you if you can't make them for yourself. And that's why one of the first things we did the conversation project was to create a guide, a toolkit, which is, you know, the conversation starter kit, which has been used by over a million people now. And it's been hugely helpful because it gives you something to hold on to (laughs) when you're a little spooked at starting this conversation. And also you can do it yourself and then share it with the people that you love. Our business really about financial advice. How can a financial advisor play a role in these important conversations we're talking about today? Well, it's interesting because financial advisors may, first of all, in their own families, they need to have these conversations. That's number one. Do it with your family. Sit down at the kitchen table. Take out our conversation starter kits and do it with your own family. And then to have these conversations with your clients can be difficult, but not always Because people are thinking about these things. It's not like you're bringing up the subject and they've never thought that they were ever, ever, ever going to be sick or (laughs) have troubles. So if you bring that up with them, you can help them and you can help them guide the conversations intergenerationally, which is something that needs to be done. I mean, financial advisors are in a good place to encourage conversations between generations about money as well as about health. And to open up those dialogues so that everybody isn't tongue-tied when they are talking about difficult conversations. It's also true that financial advisors may be the first people to see some cognitive decline among their clients. And then they say, oh, my God, I think that my client is a little shaky or he's getting scammed. And how do you approach that if you haven't built a relationship with the families and if your families haven't? learned how to talk to each other about difficult subjects. So when we think about, you know, our advice value stack, as we've talked about, we we have this baseline managing the money, achieving goals, peace of mind, and the very top that we're talking about today is fulfillment. How do you think about fulfillment? Well, peace of mind, I agree with. The conversation project is really important for peace of mind. How do I think about fulfillment? Well, everybody has a different set of ideas about what fulfills them. And for me, a lot of it has been in my career, both as a journalist and in my encore career at the Conversation Project, it's been that sense of purpose, that sense of doing something that will matter. And I think that's important to a huge number of people. You know, there's something, we now all live about 30 years longer than we did 100 years ago. And a lot of the sort of 
directive literature is, are you prepared to live, you know, 30 years of retirement? Well, that isn't so much. Are you financially prepared to live? And to me, what's most important, are you prepared to do what matters to you with this great gift of time? So, Ellen, you mentioned the word Encore. I wonder if we could continue with that and talk to us about your work with Encore.org. This is obviously a very, very important topic with regards to retirement, thinking about the next phase of life, perhaps achieving fulfillment, as you just said. So what prompted you to get involved with this movement? To me, when I came toward the conclusion of my career as a columnist, um, I knew I wanted to do something next. And I think that that sense of having an encore in you is extremely common. So encore.org is a movement as well as an organization, second acts for the greater good. This older encore age population is a huge resource, particularly for social change and for helping youth-serving projects and for really being engaged in the world. And so Encore.org is trying and to a large extent succeeding in changing that view of elderly and making us all think about, hey, those people aren't pensioners and retirees. They're a resource for improving the world. Ellen, it's been a great pleasure to have you here and such incredible work that you're doing across so many areas. I love the idea of having an encore in you. So truly inspirational. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My pleasure. So we've talked about the importance of having the big conversation. Now let's bring in Abby Henderson of Aberis Financial to get her thoughts on how the conversation represents a moment for families to feel most fulfilled and to leave a legacy they're proud of. First, welcome to the show, Abby. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. The last time we were together, we were in Nashville with our colleagues listening to some show tunes. It was such a fun couple days. And and doing some work, too. Yes, it was very productive. So you've been working in the financial services industry for 21 years and recently have been transforming your own business through offering life coaching as a way to integrate personal growth with financial life planning. What was the impetus to do that? That's a great question. My personal growth journey, which is where my inspiration begins, was about 10 years ago when I was riding horses competitively and I hired an equestrian performance coach. And I saw the value in that. So from there, I moved on to a personal coach. I also attended a well-known mindfulness program in Massachusetts. So that opened my eyes to the importance of mindfulness and how it can be applied both personally and professionally. Then I moved on to working with an executive coach. And one of the things we really focused on was what parts of my practice I really enjoyed. And without a doubt, it's the clients where I had the most engagement, not only with them as individuals, but with their extended family, their parents, their kids. So, Abby, one of the things I've learned from you is that you are a registered life planner. Yes. Explain that to us. What does that mean? My definition of life planning is it has two components. So one component is being a really great listener where you're creating a safe space for your clients to really be vulnerable and share with you. So that's one piece of it. The other piece is 
I think, looking at financial planning a little bit differently. The old me used to walk into a meeting and say, you know, what are your goals? And the client would come back and say, well, I want to retire at 65. I want to educate my kids. And I want to make sure that no one has to, you know, take care of me down the road. And I would say, great, apply some numbers to that, and off we go. So in life planning, you're really fleshing out what that means. So it's not just, okay, I'm going to retire and it's going to cost me X dollars a year. It's really what does that look like? How are you going to be fulfilled? How can we plan for that now? And how can we even potentially bring some of that into the present? So how do your efforts and attention evolve to make the connection that digging deeper on client engagement could be impactful and beneficial? As you said, I became a registered life planner. So I went through that program one of the best moments that happened during that program is I needed a client to be my case study. And I chose a couple in their 60s, and I thought one of them would be totally game. The other one might be a hard sell because this, this process does get a little touchy-feely. I was shocked when they walked out the door, and the one that I thought was going to be a hard sell turned around and thanked me and said, no one's really asked me these questions before. And it means a lot. They laughed, and I was like, wow, I, this, this works. I'm on to something I'm here. on to something here. <laughs> and so actually from there, I finished uh, the mentorship, did the case studies, and I realized I wanted a bigger toolbox. And so I started looking for a life coaching program. So I'm just finishing that up. It's been pretty intense, but it's given me a whole new set of tools beyond what I had as just a registered life planner. It's an incredible evolution. You know, we've talked a lot about the value stack and some of the core blocks of the value stack at the bottom, and mm-hmm. you're, you're in a very high place, which is, which is why you're here. For me, it's really where it gets fun, totally. too. Yeah. So how has life coaching impacted and, you know, hit the intersection with financial planning conversations? It's so interesting. Now that I have worked with many clients doing both coaching and planning, the planning conversations are just so much richer. There's so much more information, and I can be a better planner because I have insight into the client's motivations, the client's situation in ways that I wouldn't otherwise. So, for example, I have one client who I've been coaching for empty nester issues, trying to figure out now that my nest is empty, what do I do next? And through that process, I've learned so much about their concerns about their parents and their siblings and how that may translate into estate planning. So I have so much more insight when I go to do, for example, their retirement projections. Now I know in far more detail and understanding why buying her parents' house might be important or how the estate planning could evolve and the potential pitfalls that might pop up. And so those are things I might never have picked up on. So – I'm sure you've had a lot of aha moments along the journey with clients that have reaffirmed for you that this is the right way to go, a great evolution, you know, for your business. Maybe talk about those if you could. Let's see. One of my favorites is the client that thanked me for doing it. But I would say another situation that was a bit of an aha moment was I'm trying to do is engage more with 
the children of my clients, this is a great in for working with them. They may not have sophisticated planning issues. Most of them don't in their 20s and 30s, but they have a lot of coaching issues. And so I've really been able to engage with a lot of my clients' children that way. And I think that'll turn out to be a great investment going forward, which will evolve into uh, larger financial planning engagements. So if someone's listening to this and they want to pick up a few tips, what can you tell them? Is there, is there a resource that you can recommend? So there's a lot of great life planning books. You can just Google life planning or go on Amazon. Uh, that'll provide you a lot of starting information. But in terms of something that you can implement right away, just put a couple interesting questions on your discovery questionnaire. Finish it up with something like, if you won the lottery, what would you do? Or if you had one day left to live, what would you do with that day? And like I said, get curious, ask good questions, and you'll find there's a ton of information there. And if you pick up from that discovery process a couple values from your clients, like their value might be spending time with their grandkids. Well, don't wait for retirement for that. You obviously want to plan for that, but how can you bring that in to their plan today? Because that's where you're going to get the aha moments from your clients. So as we wrap up our discussion on the top tier of our new advice value stack, how do you think the financial services industry work will continue to evolve at this very top level? It's mm, a great question. I think that it's going to become more and more important. You know, investments and planning to some degree becoming commoditized and with artificial intelligence coming down the road, it's really going to be engaging with your clients on those top levels that is going to differentiate you from the other offerings out there. So I think it's really important for all planners and advisors to figure out how to start bringing that into their practice, even if it's something as simple as tweaking your questionnaire. Would I love to see all planners go out and become life planners and coaches? And yeah, because I'm passionate about it, and I think it's a wonderful thing for your clients, and you can be of greater service. But really, just getting curious and creating a safe space for your clients will go a long, long way. It seems to me that a sincere level of curiosity is almost at the core of what is critical to make this a success. It really is. It really is. Abby, thanks so much for chatting with us today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, as they say, all good things must come to an end. But before we sign off, I'd like to thank all of our guests on this series of Fidelity Finpoint. I had so much fun exploring all levels of the new advice value stack, and hopefully our listeners found themselves informed and educated with this new approach to financial services, or maybe even compelled to go out and challenge the status quo firsthand. Until next time, I'm Mark Squires. Thanks so much for tuning in. client experience expressed in this podcast is no guarantee of future success and may not be representative of the experience of other Fidelity clients. Information provided in this document is for informational and educational purposes only. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation 
compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, and or servicing of these products or services, including fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Views expressed are through November 27, 2018 and do not necessarily represent the views of fidelity. Views are subject to change at any time based upon market or other conditions, and fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. Third-party references herein are independent companies and are not affiliated with Fidelity Investments. Listing them does not suggest a recommendation or endorsement by Fidelity Investments. Fidelity Clearing and Custody Solutions provides clearing, custody, and other brokerage services through National Financial Services, LLC, or Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Members NYSE, SIPC, 200 Seaport Boulevard, Z2B1, Boston, Massachusetts, 02210. Content from Fidelity Institutional Asset Management, FIAM, FIAM, is provided by Fidelity Investments Institutional Services Company, Inc., 500 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Copyright 2019, FMR, LLC. All rights reserved. 862 160.1.0